Brogan. This is Viewpoint with attorney and author Chuck Chrismeyer. Viewpoint is a one-hour open-line talk show confronting the issues of America's heart and home. To express your viewpoint, please call 804-754-1988. That's 804-754-1988. And now with today's edition of Viewpoint, here is Chuck Chrismeyer. God has marriage on his mind. In fact, he has your marriage on his mind, believe it or not. And the Bible says that what God has joined together, man must not try to put asunder. Asunder means to tear apart. And the enemy of our souls is doing everything he can to tear apart marriages, has been doing that for a good 40, 50 years now in the good old U.S. of A. And we're finding this to be a a very traumatic period in the time of our country. In fact, some may say that the divorce rate is falling. Well, that is true. But what they don't tell you is that the cohabitation rate is rising. So in other words, people are living together instead of getting married, which involves very little commitment. Contrary to God's plan. And today on Viewpoint, we want to talk about a marriage that lasts forever. A marriage that lasts forever. Now that sounds like a fairy tale these days. People will ask, how long my wife and I have been married? And I will tell them, at this point, 54 and a half years. They say, 54 and a half years? How in the world could you have done that? Well, we made a vow. And the Bible says, better that you uh, not vow than that you vow and not pay. And don't say before the angel it was an error. In other words, when we vow, we make a vow. Vow before God and man. And it's something that we are to keep. But why? Why are we to keep our marriages? Why are we to make every conceivable effort, and then beyond that, trusting God in the seeming impossible times to make sure our marriage lasts forever? Well, it's because marriage is a very symbol of the like uh, likeness of Christ to his church. The Apostle Paul said that in First uh, Corinthians, uh, excuse me, Ephesians 5, when he talks about marriages, he said, I'm speaking of a, a great mystery, the mystery of the relationship between Christ and his church. Your marriage is a mystery. You might say, you better believe that, brother. On the other hand, there is something to be lived out in real time that is not mysterious at all. In fact, it will bring glory to God in ways that you never even dream possible. That's what we want to talk about here today on Viewpoint, how a loving marriage works, making it last forever. Our special guest today, Wayne and Kimberly Colbert, with their book by that name, Make It Last Forever. So, Wayne and Kimberly, it's good to have you on the program. Wayne, as the head of the household, how long have you been married? We've been married 33 years, Chris. 33 years. Well, uh, between your 33 and our 54, uh, that's almost 90 years. That should give us some uh, level of expertise. What do you think? I agree with that wholeheartedly. (laughs) Well, uh, Kimberly, how did you and Wayne uh, meet? How did you connect? (laughs) Oh, that's uh, that's great. That's a good question. Or or is that that secret? 
Thanks for having us on the show, Chris. You're welcome. Uh, um, I would say that uh, I'm calling it a divine intervention because we met when we were uh, sweethearts, young children. And uh, I kept telling Wayne at an early age uh, that um, we was going to get married. He kept saying, no, we not. <laughs> I said, yes, God showed me that. So we lived on the same street. You really? Know, so we lived down the street from each other. On the street where you live. I remember a song like that. <laughs> well, on the street where you live, and uh, so, uh, Wayne, what was it that uh, uh, caused you to make the overture to uh, Kim to uh, ask her for marriage? Well, we've been married, Chris, for 33 years, but we have actually been together over 40 years. Ah, and yeah, we have been together over 40 years, and so, you know, um, I don't think if it's, it, I don't know if it's something inherent in men or in me that was in me. Kim was ready for marriage when I wasn't ready for marriage, uh, but the day came when uh, I realized what I had. The Bible says he who finds a wife finds a good thing. Oh, yeah, finds, finds the, the blessing Lord. of the Lord. That's right. So are you saying are you saying that when you say you were together, are you saying you cohabitated before you were married? Uh no, I'm not saying we cohabitated, but we was, you know, as long as we was together and separate, that was all right with me. Oh, I got you. Okay. I wanted to clear that up for purposes of our listeners, lest there should be any confusion here. So okay. uh you you had this little dosy dough with this frisky filly called Kim, and uh, then after four years, you decided it was time to uh, uh, shift from do do to I do. Correct. Exactly. Uh-huh. Now, uh, Kim, uh, what is it that originally attracted you to, uh, to Wayne? Uh, I would say that it was um, his upbringing. His, uh, when I met him, um, out of all the young guys on the street, you know, he come from a Christian home and he was always pleasant, always nice, mm. you know, and so that drew my attention. Well, you, you know, know what I'm uh, hearing, Kim? I'm hearing this from uh, millennials <laughs> and from Generation Z, uh, from professing Christian young men and young ladies saying, I can't find anybody like that. Yeah. Even yeah, even in our churches, they'll they'll say, I can't find anybody like that. Yes. It's yes. becoming your lot. husband's becoming a very rare character out there. Yes, he's a hot commodity. <laughs> <laughs> well, I didn't say he was hot, I said he was rare. <laughs> well, uh, Wayne, what was it that attracted you to Kim? Uh Kim was I'm a couple of years older than Kim, and Kim, she was uh, mature for her age. Oh. She matured, and then uh, also, uh, I thought that she may have liked me. <laughs> you thought there was a vague uh, possibility that she may have liked you. Yeah, let me let me share a story with you that she shares most times. Uh, it, I, I condensed it, uh, but there was an uh, apple tree in her backyard. And uh, actually, it was in the neighbor's backyard, and we uh, would climb the tree when the neighbor wasn't home. 
and we would climb that tree and get apples. And I saw an apple that I wanted to give him, and it was very close to the top of the tree. And when I got it, uh, I threw it down and told Kim to catch it. She caught it. And I, when she didn't catch it, I threw it down. I told uh, everyone else, don't touch that apple. That's for Kim. Mm. And I think when I did that, I think I had a heart, Chris. Wow. Well, you know, it's beginning to sound almost like the Garden of Eden there, and I was getting a little nervous. I was getting a little nervous that Kim was going to tempt you with the apple, and uh, uh, instead you were the apple of his eye and she was the apple of your eye. We want to talk about what it is that uh, is making your love last as we get into this. And, uh, friends, their gift, their, their book is $18. It's yours on our website, saveus.org. Make it last forever. Once upon a time, children could pray and read their Bibles in school. Divorces were practically unknown, as was child abuse. In our once great America, virginity and chastity were popular virtues, and homosexuality was an abomination. So what happened in just one generation? Hi, I'm Chuck Chrismar, and I urge you to join me daily on Viewpoint, where we discuss the most challenging issues touching our hearts and homes. Could America's moral slide relate to the Fourth Commandment? Listen to Viewpoint on this radio station or anytime at saveus.org. The marriage age in America is growing longer and longer and longer. It used to be that most people were married in their early 20s. Now the time has moved to the late 20s and even into the 30s and sometimes the 40s. What's going on? Why is it these delays? And are these delays actually contributing to uh, a lot of sinful behavior out there? Shacking up, hanging out, hooking up. Uh, all of these kinds of things, and also uh, the birth of unwed, unwed motherhood, unwed child, children born out of wedlock. Aren't these advanced uh, ages of marriage actually contributing to this problem? And why is it that the divorce rate is so great? What is going on in a nation that professes to be under God, or at least did, at one point, obviously, the divorce rate reveals we're not under God. And in fact, even as the divorce rate has dropped somewhat, the cohabitation rate has increased dramatically. In fact, uh, well over a thousand times over the past 40 years. The cohabitation rate has increased over a thousand times over the last uh, 40 years. It's quite amazing. How are we to understand this? Well, uh, obviously, the enemy of our souls, the enemy of God himself, is in there to destroy the very foundation, not only of the family, but of the relationship, the mystery of the relationship between Christ and his church. When we got married, we said, I do. But now many are saying, I don't or I won't. Why is that? Don't vows mean anything these days? What is a vow anyway? And if we break a vow, are we not just breaking, not only breaking a vow with our spouse, but breaking a vow with God? And what will be the eternal consequences of such a breaking of the vow? 
Well, today on Viewpoint, Wayne and Kimberly Colbert with their book, Make It Last Forever, A Loving Marriage Works. So, uh, as the head of the household, Wayne, how do you explain uh, this phenomenon that we're experiencing now over the past 40 years, the increasing cohabitation and uh, unwed pregnancy and uh, explosive abortion, all of these seem to be linked to our unwillingness to live out our vows. What say you? Uh, Well, Chris, that's a good question. Uh, What I would say is, first of all, uh, you alluded to it earlier when you said that we're supposed to be a Christian nation. Mm -hmm. I believe that uh, people are doing what is right in their own eyes. Mm. Doing what is right in their own eyes, rather than going to God's word, uh, to God who instituted marriage. So we're a, a lawless bunch, then. Correct. Mm-hmm. Correct. And so uh, I think that, and I truly think that the only way that uh, uh, the reason why God instituted marriage was that it may glorify Him. Exactly. And so. I believe people go into marriage uh, with the wrong set of goals for the most part. What do you think that wrong set of goals is? Well, see, I think that what made Kim and I, what made our marriage last as long as it has, is that our ultimate goal is to glorify God in the marriage. Mm-hmm. And, if, uh, and because you can be married, two can join together and go over the state of vows, but that doesn't guarantee that one would reach holy matrimony. I believe God has to be, the Holy One has to be involved mm-hmm. in the marriage for it to uh, reach that level where it glorifies God. Well, that's why and I so, inquired right up front as to what drew the two of you together. And it seems that there were similar drawings there. The same was true between my wife and I. Uh, we met on the front steps of her church Uh uh, kind of surprisingly, and uh, it was attraction at first sight. Uh, and you know, we we dated for a couple of years, and then and then uh, tied the bond. And doesn't mean once you tie the bond that everything's going to be hunky dory, does it, Kim? No, no, no. <laughs> it's uh, no, it's no, it's not. Marriage is uh, it has its ups and downs. And I would say, like, wait, 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 wait. When you say marriage has its ups and downs, are you saying that Wayne has his ups and downs? I said we have our ups and downs. <laughs> you didn't fall into the trap, did you? <laughs> You're a smart lady. <laughs> uh, but uh, we know that in order for us to um, love each other, we love because we love God first. It mm-hmm. makes it possible. For us to love one another, you know, beyond, you know, our um, shortcomings, you mm-hmm. know, we can love beyond that, you know, and, and, and having God in the midst makes this so much better. Well, absolutely, because he becomes the central figure of, uh, of your love and you're bound yes. to him and he is showing you his agape love in mercy and in truth. And uh, that enables you to show the same to your spouse. Uh, the problem that we have is that the divorce rate in the Bible Belt of America, for instance, 
for the past 25 years has exceeded the nation as a whole by 50%. What do you make mm-hmm. of that, Wayne? The divorce rate in the Bible Belt of America for the past 25 years has exceeded the nation as a whole by 50%. I would say that uh, we can uh, we can have the Bible, but it don't mean that we're obeying the Bible. I mm-hmm. can say that it's possible that God is missing in the Bible Belt. Not the Bible, but the God of the Bible. You know, that is such a wise observation. And uh, Jesus said, if you love me, you're going to obey me. If you love me, you're going to keep my commandments. So we can say we can believe in God. We can go into church uh, every Sunday or Saturday or whenever we're worshiping. And uh, that does not necessarily make us a true follower of the Lord, does it? It certainly doesn't, Chris. Matter of fact, I would say this, is that there? Uh, if you mention the word atheist, most people would tell you an atheist is a person who don't believe in God or that there is a God. Mm-hmm. But there's such thing as that I believe that's worse than an atheist is a practice, a practical atheist. And that, uh, or let me say like this, a, uh, one who professed to be Christian and act as though God is not real. Wow. that That is a very powerful thing. Uh, that's called hypocrisy or a pretense, isn't it? Exactly. exactly. Now you're a pastor. You've been how long? You've been pastoring. Uh, thirty, thirty uh, years, going on thirty years. All right. And uh, so, as a pastor, uh, what are you observing in your congregation that uh, is is seriously impacting the willingness of young people to truly follow the Lord in marriage? Uh, teaching. I believe that you teach for change. Mm-hmm. And, and, and you don't just teach by mouthing words or giving lessons. You have to model what you're teaching. Mm-hmm. You know, and so... Uh, well, that's I, what Jesus I, I, did. That's exactly what Jesus did. That's so, exactly how I teach it. Uh, in the church, uh, we have... Uh, Seminars, we do conferences, uh, uh, and I just believe if you keep doing that, because people, uh, we we learn by repetition, is what I believe. Mm-hmm. They may not get it the first time, may not get it the second time, but if they hear it enough, yeah, uh, and and God deal with them enough with it, then I believe it could be effective. Kim, uh, you've been married to uh, Mr. Pastor here uh, for uh, 33 years. And uh, what is your role in the uh, the ministry? I support um, my husband by being his help meet. Okay. And um, when I say help meet is I believe that it is God's will for me to help my husband to become who he has ordained him to be. Well, that is a beautiful so, expression. That's exactly what my wife says. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. And I still believe in uh, being submissive. I'm a submissive wife, you know. <laughs> mm. and, 
and uh, that word is missing. We don't even want that word in the marriage of our vows no more. Right. But yet and still, I believe that being submissive means that God has told me to undergird, go under, take the word sub. Sub means go up under Mm -hmm. and go under the mission that God has given my husband for the family. Well, Wayne, how does that how does that make you feel uh, feeling called of God to be involved in uh, 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 discipling his church? Uh, how does it make you feel when you hear words like that from Kim? Well, it makes it makes it better for me. It makes me feel like I like I know I have the right one. Uh, God gave me; she gift my gift from God, and it makes it easier for me, uh, Chris, to follow uh, Jesus' commandments uh, that He gave through Paul in mm-hmm. uh, Ephesians five that you mentioned earlier. If I was to simplify um, the husband's role in the marriage uh, toward the wife, Jesus, uh, Paul wrote it like this in that 25th verse. He says, of of Ephesians 5, he says, Husband, love your wives just as Christ also loved the church. That's a high calling. That's a a calling that's almost impossible to keep, isn't it? Well, if it, if it was me doing it in my own strength or by my own might and power, uh-huh. but God will never give me an assignment. He'll, he'll never put two together uh, that he wouldn't give us the means to be able to do it. And, and we know that uh, two is better than one, but the three uh, cord strength, the, the Holy Spirit, the power of God, right, uh, will hold us together. He enabled us to do uh, what we can't do on our own. Mm-hmm. And uh, one of the things that you focus on in particular in your uh, book is the uh, the power and the glue of prayer uh, to not only bring you together regularly, but keep you together before the Lord. Uh, I want to spend a little time uh, talking about that because I think it's, it's uh, exceedingly important. A lot of people may think, Oh well, I, I wanted to hear something else, some some other kinds of things about how to have a marriage that lasts forever. Well, uh, it depends on whether you want God's viewpoint or whether you want uh, man's viewpoint. But uh, let me just share this before we go into this. About twenty years ago, mm-hmm. uh, the Lord spoke to my heart, uh, Kim, and mm-hmm. uh, and and said, "Son, uh, you've been spending all this time with me every morning." for the past 30 years by yourself, getting up early, spending time in the Word, prayer, and so on. Now I want you to do it with with your wife. And uh, so I went to Kathy, and I said, here's what I feel that the Lord is telling me to do. And uh, ever since then, uh, every single morning, the first thing that we do before anything else, we get our cup of coffee, we sit down, we open our Bibles, we pray together, we read the Bible and discuss it together and take somewhere between 30 minutes and an hour, uh, usually, uh, to do that and then apply the scriptures. My wife has said, Kim, that this is the most important decision and time we have ever made for our marriage. How do you react to that? I, I would agree with Kathy. It's so very important, especially, say, like with the... Um, position that God has my husband in as mm-hmm. pastoring, 
And it's very important that, you know, that word that he, you know, gets to give to other families, mm-hmm. that he empowered his own family as well. Right. So being able to uh, study, pray, and have devotion, time, praise, and worship with my husband, you know, the first thing in the morning, you know, that is so powerful. Yeah. So what does it mean to you when, when your husband is, prays with you and you're reading the Bible together? Uh, what does that do in your own heart and mind as a wife, as a woman? As a woman, it shows that he is concerned about my spirituality and our spirituality, mm-hmm. you know, just as much as he is, say, the church. The in other words, he's your covering. Yes. You feel that yes. he's your covering. Yes. All right, we're going to pick up on this when we get back. Uh, Our special guests, Wayne and Kimberly Colbert, uh, their book, Make It Last Forever, A Loving Marriage Works. Uh, So many practical things in this book. The book is $18. It's on our website, saveus.org. You can call us at 1-800-SAVE-USA, and we'll be right back with them in just a moment. There is so much more about Chuck Chris Meyer and Save America Ministries on our website, saveus.org. For example, on the front page are two great videos. First, an interview and discussion of Chuck's book, Out of Egypt. Also, a great TV interview with Chuck regarding his book, Seduction of the Saints. Much more videos, a For Pastors Only section, and also you can view Chuck's weekly teachings. All at his website, saveus.org. That's saveus.org. Also on Chuck's website, listen to Chuck's Viewpoint broadcast. Listen to the archives. Maybe you missed a program. Check it out at saveus.org. Also, there are some great resources, hospitality information, also information about marriage, divorce, and remarriage, newsletters, articles, prophecy, prayer and revival information, all at saveus.org. And I do urge you to go to our website, saveus.org, where you will find numerous fact sheets uh, that contain the information that is necessary to understand uh, where we are in our marriages, where uh, ministry couples are in their marriages. Uh, we have a, uh, a very special fact sheet called A Portrait of the Black Family uh, put together. Actually, it's a compendium of... Uh, Voices from the broader black community from all over the country. And uh, it is a very, very helpful tool. A number of black pastors have indicated to me it's the most powerful tool they have ever had to preach righteousness in their congregation. So avail yourself of these tools. Now, one of the things, uh, Wayne, that uh, has troubled me is that I put together those fact sheets And uh, what I discovered is that the divorce rate, believe it or not, the divorce rate in the black community is the highest divorce rate of all people groups in the country. I was shocked. Totally shocked. Mm -hmm. Are you aware of that? Uh, No, I wasn't aware of that, but I'm not surprised. Uh, why why is that? Why why would you not be surprised about that? Uh, I'm not surprised because, uh, first of all, uh, it has to be modeled in front of you. 
Mm-hmm. And there's so much in society today that is torn black families apart mm-hmm. uh, today. Right. Uh, where fathers are not in the homes. Right. And that so that model is not there. Yeah. That that model is not there as it should be or as it once was. Well, when you figure that, uh, depending on who you talk to, somewhere between 70 and 85% of black children do not live in the home with their father, you're exactly right. Right. And so they don't have that model of, of a father or, or a husband in the home. So what would you say is the answer, then, uh, to this? Uh, this is the systemic problem. This is the real systemic problem that is paralyzing the entire black community, it seems to me. So what's the answer? Uh, Well, I believe it starts uh, with more models. uh, Out of the few that we have, Mm -hmm. are the ones that we do have that we have to get outside of our own uh, comforts uh, within our families and reach out to young men Mm-hmm. Uh, and start to be a mentor to them. Yeah, uh, talk to them and, and show them. Uh, be willing to adopt them, um, not necessarily through the legal system, but adopt them and be the one that model that person for the single mother right. who have sons that she's raising. Yeah, because one thing a mother can do, she can teach a young man how to treat a woman, but she can't teach him how to be a man or a husband. Very good point. No matter what the culture says about that, she can't do that. No matter how much she wants to, she just can't do it. So, Kim, what do you say to the black young women? You've got a whole chapter in here about uh, preparing people for marriage. And uh, what what do you say to black young women where by far the majority of them are having children out of wedlock? I would say, again, uh, I would echo what uh, Wayne said, mm-hmm. is that you have to have models. And then as older women, you know, we have to be willing to take these young girls and teach them, you mm-hmm. know, right. uh, that they can stop the cycle. They can break the cycle, mm-hmm. you know. And uh, even if they have made some mistakes and may have had their children out of wedlock, Okay, God is a forgiver, and they are still worth marrying. So even though they may have made a mistake, you know, with, you know, having maybe one, you know, having children out of wedlock, mm-hmm. they are still wedding and wife material. But again, we have to teach that, teach change so that they won't have to continue the pattern and then come in with yeah. the mindset that because I've had children, nobody's going to marry me. Okay, so you have a tall order uh, because the culture is at war against you uh, with all of the statistics that are revealing that war. And uh, I tell you, I carry a tremendous burden uh, personally for the black or African-American community. Uh, I feel that pain and uh, have really done everything I could could do to uh, to try to bring change in that regard. Uh, but it's very difficult for a white guy to speak into that. So uh, I, I appreciate so much your willingness to do that. Now let's go back to prayer. 
We need to go to prayer anyway over this, don't we? Yeah. <laughs> Men ought always to pray and not to faint. Uh, and these statistics uh, would bring us to faint if we uh, if we didn't have our confidence in the Lord to to bring about change we could truly believe in. So, uh, first of all, you say that prayer, Wayne, will humble you. Yes. Now we're talking about praying together, right? Correct. So, how does prayer humble you? Prayer humbles me from the standpoint I don't have to be a superman or the hero. I carry that burden of feeling like I'm the hero. I got to do it all by myself for my marriage and for him and our family. Mm-hmm. Uh, and invites God in, and she sees that I'm not trying to do it on my own. Uh huh. And, and because God, with God's help, he can lift us up to where he wants us to be in our relationship with him as well as in our marriage and in, uh, and in the family. So Kim so sees you, not, so then Kim sees you not as lifting up yourself as the king cheese uh, of ministry and the family, but actually a man who's willing to humble himself uh, not only before the Lord, but for, before uh, his wife. Correct. Yeah. Okay, Kim, uh, you say that prayer will break the cycle. The cycle of what? The the, the cycle of um, of us people getting married. Because one of the things that we see is how people would get married. They don't have a problem getting married. It's staying together. And so mm-hmm. here it is, first time something, a problem comes up in the marriage, the first thing they're ready to do is leave. Mm-hmm. But prayer would get us to talking to God about it, and God would get us talking to each other about it. And before you know it, you know we'd have dealt with the prayer, we'd have dealt with the problem that was about ready to destroy the marriage. Yeah. Well, it's interesting because you cite a statistic that has frequently been cited. It might be a little bit different right now, but fifty-one percent of marriages end a divorce. Seventy-nine percent of second marriages end a divorce. Well, less than two percent of couples who pray together daily end their marriages. So that is how you break the cycle, isn't it? You pray yeah. together in honesty. It's not a matter of uh, just saying, uh, uh, Lord bless this household. Thank you for the day. Amen. It's more right. than that, isn't it? Yes, it is. Yes, it is. All right. There's a sincerity and there's an investment of time uh, that goes into this, way. And I think. Uh, you say prayer will remove it all. Remove what? Uh can remove any uh, hurts, any pain that uh, you may be feeling, or that you may be going through on on a low time in the marriage. Uh-huh. When it's not when you're not on top of the mountain in the marriage. Sometimes in the valley, uh, you may feel like you're not being heard enough. Well, I thought you, you were feel- always on the mountaintop. <laughs> Isn't that what you preach? No, no, I've been to the mountain and seen the other side. That's what Martin Luther King Jr. said. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but, but David said that we have to be in the valley sometimes. Lord, in the valley. There you go. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right. And then, Kim, prayer brings unity. How does yeah. prayer bring unity? Because we're able to uh, get on one accord because we talk to God. You know, prayer is a communication, and communication means that we're not the only one doing the talking, so we have to look at it from God's perspective as mm-hmm. well. 
All right. So when we we are willing to talk to God, we have to let God talk to us. Ooh. If we agree to what it is that God is saying to us, that brings us together. That is very powerful. And if you're in his word and you're reading that together, yeah. honestly, not just to read it to read it, but read it to exactly. understand and discuss it, then the Holy yeah. Spirit can speak to each one of you through that word. Frequently, when my wife and I are doing this, I will ask Kathy, I said, are we doing this? How do we fit with regard to what God has just said here? Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, uh, God would bring us to a place of perhaps repentance, uh, maybe a place of recognition that uh, maybe we're not all... Uh, uh, lined up with his word, his will, and his ways as we wish we were. And that brings us to unity in pressing into him, doesn't it, Kim? Right. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yeah. You know what I find? I find a lot of times, uh, Wayne, that people are trying to reach unity, but they're making unity the goal instead of the result, the fruit of their life. And, uh, you know, I, I hear in Jesus' high priestly prayer in John 17, where he prays, mm-hmm. Lord, that they may be one, that the world may know that thou hast sent me. So you hear pastors uh, talk about that all the time and say, see, God wants us to pursue unity. But that's not what I see. Right before mm-hmm. that, he said, sanctify or set them apart according mm-hmm. to thy truth. Thy word is truth. The unity comes when we're pursuing the truth, not by pursuing unity. Exactly. Does that make exactly. sense to you? Exactly. How, how can two walk together except they agree? You got we that right, agree brother. On the truth of what God is saying in His Word. You know, that's one of the main reasons that's keeping us from racial unity. Mm-hmm. We're just not in agreement with God. Not in agreement. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Well, okay. Exactly. Prayer will birth a thankful heart. Whoa. Uh, that's that's a big one and worthy of some further conversation, Kim. What what say you? Yes, think, I, I want you to think you. about that because we're going into a break. Uh, this is a very big one, and you'll find okay. out why. Make it last forever, friends. That's the title of the book. A loving marriage works. It's eighteen dollars on our website, saveus.org. Saveus.org. You can call us one eight hundred Save USA or write to us. We'll be right back. And you don't want to miss it. Have you ever considered what the early church was like? Many people are developing a heart longing for a greater fulfillment in our practices as Christians. A recent study showed 53,000 people a week are leaving the back door of America's churches in frustration. What is going on? Why has there not been even a 1% gain among followers of Christ in the last 25 years? Could it be that God is seeking to restore first century Christianity for the 21st century? Jesus said, I'll build my church. Is Christ by his spirit stirring to prepare the church for the 21st century? The early church prayed together and broke bread from house to house. They were family, and it was said by all who observed, behold how they love one another. Incredible. But the same can be found right now. Go to saveus.org and click Sell Church. We can revive first century Christianity for the 21st century. It's about people, not programs. It's about a body, not a building. That's saveus.org. Click Sell Church.
Well, we used to sing a song years ago, Blessed be the tie that binds our hearts in kindred love. I wonder how that applies to marriage. What if husband and wife were to sing that? Blessed be the tie that binds our hearts in kindred love. That's not Eros love. It's not even phileo love. It's agape love, a selfless kind of love. And that's what we need to be pursuing. And that's what our special guests, Wayne and Kim uh, Colbert, uh, are urging us to in their book, Make It Last Forever, A Loving Marriage Works. We're talking about prayer in the uh, uh, context of our marriages. And the next one in order is prayer will birth a thankful heart. How is that, Kim? Yes, uh, prayer will birth a thankful heart because a lot of times when we, you know, sometimes when we, you know, do pray, I hear people praying, just saying that they prayed about it, but they pray with anger and they pray with resentment and they pray, you mm. know, with these feelings toward their spouse. However, when we begin to pray, we ought to thank God. We ought to always thank God for the blessing that he has given us. And sometimes, you know, uh, we forget that our spouse is a blessing. And so instead of going to God complaining about the blessing that he has given us, mm-hmm. we need to thank him for the blessing. Well, you know, that's exactly what kept the Israelites out of the promised land. Yes. They refused to have a grateful heart. They murmured, they complained, they bellyached. Yeah. And finally God said, look, I put up with you so long you ain't coming into my promised land. You don't yes. deserve to be in there. I'm going to let Joshua and Caleb come in because they had another spirit. Yes, yes. That may sound like tough talk for troubled times, but that's exactly what God said. Yes, that's right. You know what, yeah. uh, uh, Wayne, I want to go back for just a moment here. Again, it was about, oh, 20 years ago. Mm-hmm. And... The Holy Spirit spoke to my heart in a very unusual way about the meaning of gratitude. And all of a sudden, it was like a divine revelation, the power and importance of thanks and gratitude. And I began to see how important that was and to put it into words in a variety of different ways, including in my marriage. Mm -hmm. It was like putting love potion number nine. (laughs) You know, love potion number nine, Kim, you know about that. Uh, It was like putting love potion number nine on the marriage. It changed everything. And here I was supposed to be a pastor. I was supposed to be, you know, doing ministry and doing all this. And I had to have a divine revelation of gratitude. Mm -hmm. What do you think, Wayne? Well, I think all of us can fall into that trap at times uh, to w- where we're not as thankful as we ought to be. But if we will remember that uh, in all things to give God thanks, then certainly we should be thankful for our spouses, for our mates that he's given us. The first thing that, or the first person we see in the morning is our spouse. Well, you know what the problem with a lot of men is that uh, they have uh, tongue t- their tongues are tied, and so they may think they're thankful, but they never express it or seldom express it in words to their spouse. I agree, 
I, I agree with this important, not just to show thankfulness, but to just express it in uh, with words. Words are powerful. Right. So we need to break the sound barrier, right? I agree. I agree <laughs> okay. Uh, Kim, prayer is a change agent. Changing who? Prayer can change both you and your spouse. But right here we're talking about how oftentimes, you know, again, we would go to praying and we'll pray for our spouse and we'll ask God, change them, change him, change this, change this about our spouse when it could be God's wanting to change you. Whoa. Now, now you're, now you've gone from preaching to meddling. (laughs) (laughs) but that is exactly right that is exactly right which means prayer is not self-centered it's not all about me and yet uh, i don't know where you guys live but i remember uh, a few years ago i was leaving the uh, chicago o'hare airport driving along the uh, interstate or freeway or whatever they call it there And I saw this massive billboard, and here's what it said, me, me, me. That's all it said, me, me, me. And so we're not only living in the me generation, we're living in the me, me, me generation with everything as a selfie. Yes. So you say prayer is not self-centered. What's the deal there, Wayne? Well, we're always admonished to think. Uh, about others more than we think about ourselves. Mm-hmm. Think for their good, comfort others. Um, pray intercessor, intercessory prayers. And so uh, it's, it has to start with others before ourselves because God, he was thinking about us when we didn't have sense to think about ourselves, our future. He was thinking about us, uh, Jesus, um, in his intercessory prayer. Uh, uh, in his prayer, our great high priest in John 17, he said, I pray not for these alone, but for those who would believe mm-hmm. uh, on them. And so he was thinking about us then. And if we would just follow the model of prayer, of praying for others, praying mm-hmm. for others, but then where it comes to ourselves, then we have to pray, Lord, let your will be done in me. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So finally, Kim, Prayer keeps you hopeful. We need hope in this day and age. Uh, It's getting tougher and tougher to have hope. People are afraid. People are dismayed. Uh, But in our marriages, true Christian marriages, there there should be a strong measure of hope that is birthed there every day. And you say prayer is what keeps that there. How so? Yes. Yes, I would say hopeful. I don't care what the situation is, what the problem um, may arise, especially during this time, during COVID, during the pandemic, during so much social unrest. You know, Mm -hmm. we have to understand that regardless as to what comes up against the marriage or in the marriage, we have to have that determination that we are going to pray. And when we get finished praying, prayer, you know, we ought to be hopeful coming out, knowing that God is going to make this situation much better. Yeah. It might not be today, it might not be tomorrow, but we have hope knowing that this too shall pass. Well, there are so many other things in your book uh, that are worthy of our focus. Uh, you talk about the need for spontaneity uh, in marriage, and uh, one of the things that I like to do, 
Wayne, is to turn every mundane task, every mundane circumstance, as much as possible into at least a mini date. Mm-hmm. And my wife sees that, and she values sure. that. So it's not just a matter of going to uh, Lowe's or going to Home Depot or uh, going to the grocery store or doing this or that. We turn it into a mini date. And uh, so there's there's a warmth, there's a fellowship, there's a sense of joy and oneness that goes even with the mundane. Well, I certainly agree with you, Chris, uh, because um, I remember having him and I having this conversation early in our marriage, early in my pastor, um, about the quality time. Mm-hmm. And quality time, you know, we had spent the day, uh, I got off from work early, you know, I was bivocational at the time, and we spent the day, and when I got off from work, when I got off from work early, I was thinking I would get a head start on some um, my ministry work. Mm-hmm. And But when I got home, Kim was home, and she wanted to shop, and we spent the time together. So we spent time together, and I'm, I was ready to go home, and she was not. <laughs> and she said, well, Wayne, we need to spend some quality time together. Mm-hmm. And my my thought was, well, what kind of time have we been spending together? Ooh. So from there, we had to define quality time for our marriage. Isn't that and, great? And, and, and what we defined it to be was any time that we spend together is quality time. And so like you said, with the mundane out of the ordinary day of life, uh, whether it's going to the store, whether we're sitting in the backyard, mm-hmm. uh, just our time together, we, we try to take advantage uh, of that time and make it special. You have an interesting chapter, uh, Kim, uh, called Eating a Healthy Diet. Uh, what does this have to do? This is an unusual thing to put in a book on uh having a loving marriage that works, make it last forever, but maybe not all that unusual because a lot of marriages suffer terribly because one spouse gains uh, weight excessively uh, or doesn't care for their health and it scares the other spouse. Uh, flesh this out for us a little bit. Yes. When we talk about a healthy diet, we're talking about not eating those things that are going to destroy the marriage. You mean like pickled pig's feet? (laughs) 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 If that's destroying the marriage, you know, know, but a lot of times what we we see is a lot of times people look at what they see on social media, the relationship they see on social media. They compare their marriage to this person, that person, to someone who's been married for a long time, and they start wanting those things, Mm -hmm. and they start making demands. You know, mm-hmm. and eating on those things, you know. Uh, and so if it's going to hurt your marriage, you ought not eat on it. You know, we have a saying, you know, we tell young couples because, you know, a lot of times people come to us and they talk about how maybe their spouse, they heard about their spouse was with somebody else. Ooh. That's gossip. And you ought not eat on that because it can destroy Ah, so you're you're not just talking about eating food. You're talking about feeding on uh, false information. Are are you saying that there's uh, fake news out there concerning marriages, Wayne? 
Yes, indeed. <laughs> <laughs> that it's not worth it. Uh, that's one thing that it's not worth. Uh, marriage is not worth it, but it certainly is worth it. You know, yeah. If you put it, if you put the work in, it'll work if you work. There you go. Which leads me uh, to kind of conclude things, talking about uh, your relationship. You're you're analogizing the marriage and uh, the growth in your marriage to uh, climbing a mountain. Uh, you say true love endures forever, regardless of the many obstacles it must climb. Now, I, I just want to share with you a little bit for our listeners as well. I was involved in mountaineering for many years, early on in our marriage. And uh, mm-hmm. I did a lot of rock climbing, did a lot of peak climbing. And I got to tell you, uh Climbing isn't all what some people might think it is. You think of, wow, look at that gorgeous peak out there. Well, in order to get there, it's going to take some real commitment. It's going to take some real energy. And not only that, but you're going to end up with what we call false summits. There are times when you get to a place where it looked like that was going to be the top of the mountain, and it's not. And now right. there's a swoon, a swale or a valley between you and the actual summit. And you're tempted to get discouraged and to give up. And you can't give up if you want to get to the top of the mountain. Marriage is like that, isn't it? It certainly is, Chris. It certainly is. Um, someone used to, there used to be a song sung, I'm coming up on the rough side of the mountain. Okay. And I'm a hold to God's unchanging hand. Mm-hmm. Uh, but someone, I remember my dad asking the question, well, which side of the mountain is the smooth side? <laughs> it's going to, you know, it's going <laughs> it's going to be rough on all sides. That's right. So the grass isn't necessarily greener on the other side of the mountain. That's all right. Exactly it's right. so, it's been so good to have you guys on the program today, Wayne and Kimberly Colbert. Uh, make it last forever. A loving marriage works. $18 will put their book in your hands. It's on our website, saveus.org. I hope you'll avail yourself of it. Uh, we, we need all the help that we can get to become strong in the Lord, the power of His might, and to make our marriages such that they glorify God forever. Get a copy. It's on our website, saveus.org. Become a partner, friend. Send your gifts by faith to Save America Ministries, P.O. Box 70879, Richmond, Virginia, 23255. Do it today. Remember, God has marriage on his mind. He has your marriage on his mind, and he's cheering you on for the portals of heaven. With Chuck Grissmeyer, Viewpoint is supported by the faithful gifts of our listeners. Let me urge you to become a partner with Chuck as a voice to the church declaring vision for the nation. Join us again next time on Viewpoint as we confront the issues of America's heart and home. 